0: It's time for Business Minds Coffee Chat,
1: an inspiring show about the journey to personal and professional growth. And now, your host, Jay Shear. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I'm your host, Jay Shear, and I am very excited today. I've got a fantastic guest in the studio with me. My guest today is a husband and father. He's a graduate of the United Nations International School in New York and earned a Bachelor of Arts in Politics and History from New York University. He's an award winning writer and journalist, and he happens to be the editor and publisher of Flagler Live. Please welcome Pierre Tristam. Pierre, it is great to see you. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: Well, thank you, Jay. It's good to be here.
1: Absolutely. Well, it is my pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And before we started to record, we were already going deep on a few topics, and uh, so I'm glad that, that we are now recording and we can continue the conversation here. So first of all, I would love it if you would share with all of us what are three to four words that you would use to describe yourself
0: Oh, really? Those questions—I I can never come up with words like that. I mean, I—you know—it's—I um, guess you—you uh, you mentioned them in your opening. I'm a—I'm a father. I'm a journalist. I'm a writer, and—and um, and I'm curious.
1: I love that. Okay, so curiosity, father, writer—those are those are great descriptive words. So I'm going to ask you another question. Let's say along a similar line, what is your favorite thing about yourself, and why?
0: I, uh, I'm still I'm still looking for that. I'm, uh, I'm I don't I don't have a favorite thing about myself, and I don't really like to go down that path.
1: So you are still trying to discover that.
0: And if I don't discover it, it's okay because that's not really my. My my uh, intention in life it's not to it's not to like myself or to uh, or or really to dislike myself even though I'm more comfortable disliking myself than I am liking myself, but anyway it's not those are not the places where I'm really uh, comfortable going. Sure, I don't, I don't mean because of your question. I'm sure. saying me personally, it's not it's it's just not something that I think about too much.
1: I um, I understand that. So you said something about negative you know yes. thinking negative about yourself right why? why why do you feel that way
0: because it's uh, self-indulgent um to me to think of the happier side or the more uh the way you phrased it what was it what are what's the, hap- the happiest thing you are about yourself or well, the, 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 mo- the the thing you like about yourself the most well yes it's it, it, that is to me self-indulgent and it's um it's sort of a dead end because at that point you're telling yourself, hey, you know, here, what a great guy I am and, uh, you know, you should all just applaud and uh, and, and, and that's the end of it. And th- there's nothing there. It's not an interesting avenue to go down. Whereas the opposite, um, it's very reductive the way I put it, but the opposite is more interesting because at that point you're really – you know, exploring things that are uncomfortable or um, are inadmissible or um, things to work out, right? And that's certainly what we're about. Like what we were talking about before the show started, and that's what we really. It's a more interesting way of living.
1: Mm, interesting. Well, I first of all, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And you know, as I look at at my own self and really exploring who I am, where I am today, challenges that I faced, things along those way things along those lines as a way to better understand myself, I do that as a means to look at areas where I can improve, where I can become a better version of who I am today. So that self-exploration, those asking myself those types of questions become Very important for me. It's almost like you know when you hold up a mirror to yourself and you see the things that maybe you you, that others don't see, right? But it 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 helps you to better understand you as a person. So, talk to us about growing up. I want to wind the clock back Hmm. a bit. So you were born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon, right? And what was one of the fondest memories that you have of growing up at that time in your youth?
0: I think um, the Lebanon of the late 60s and early 70s was probably one of the best places in the world you'd want to be. It's the Mediterranean, so by nature it's a great place. It's not for nothing that Christ decided to be born there as opposed to, you know, in Iowa. And the environment was wonderful i mean to us anyway the way we were growing up because we were blind to a lot of the things that we should not have been blind to like the societal divisions and the sectarian divisions that um, were very beneficial to our side of things meaning us the catholics the christians because we lorded it over everybody else so it was easy for us it was um and it was very pleasant and um My parents were in that, you know, sort of middle-class life. They had a very interesting life of their own. My father was a photographer. He had come into his own, and he was well-known in the the country. My mother had a TV show for kids. She had a radio show, and at one point she had newspaper columns going all at the same time. And I would trail with her on a lot of those assignments and on the TV set as we were growing up. So it was great fun. And then um, when... um, The war started in 75. The irony is that um, the war was extremely difficult and dangerous and there were some horrible moments. But at the same time, I have very fond memories of that time period because it just made us live a different way in a much closer way that also showed us a part of ourselves and society that we hadn't known before and out of which I think it defined who we became. And... um, I was among the lucky ones because, uh, of course, I was not among the 200,000 who got killed or the 500,000 who got maimed. And in that sense, um, there's a little bit of guilt in that, but there's also a great uh, gratefulness for it. Because then um, beyond that, we were also lucky enough to get out of the country. I mean, my father died. That wasn't too lucky, but... uh, um, we we had an uncle in the United States. He was a doctor. He was unmarried. He was his my, my father's brother, and he helped us come out of the country. And eventually, you know, we resettled in the United States, and uh, and life took off again.
1: And and where when you immigrated to the United States, where did you land? What became home for you? What, what in, area in New York country? City? In New York was, City, was, right? So, speaking of your of your parents, what was one of the most valuable lessons that you took away from both your father and your mother.
0: Uh, well, the, you know, the lesson I took away, unfortunately, from my father is that fathers die early, and um, that was as much of a shock as as you could have. Um, it was a bigger shock than the war, even though the two. I think, were related. He didn't die off the war of a wound. He died of a heart attack. But I think that at 46, you don't die of a heart attack without having other kinds of things going on. And of course, the war, I'm sure, played a a, a great deal in that. Um, And um, this idea of loss, you know, is um, happening when you're very young, stays with you. And um, I don't think you really get over it. I, I don't mean that, terribly negatively. I don't think I want to get over it. It's not something that you should abandon or forget. And I'm glad that as I have gotten older, I've really come to miss him even more than when I was then back then. It's a different kind of missing, but it's also a different kind of discovery of who he was just through the emptiness between 1976 and today what he would have been. You fill that in yourself. I guess, you know, in a sense, it's sort of, we're our own novelists. So we fill in the blanks and that is its own discovery because then you discover yourself through him and he's still with you. Beautifully
1: said. And what about your mother? What was one of the more valuable lessons that you took away from your mom that you still carry with you today?
0: Well, she, um, she was, uh, she was uh, amazing all around, not just because she was my mother, but I think looking back... Uh, to be able to be a woman in Lebanon, first, it's never easy in the Middle East. It's not easy to be a woman in the Middle East as, as a, you know, as a, as a get-go because uh, you're, you're immediately a second-class citizen to start. Now, she was, you know, not as much of a second-class citizen as others because of our station in life and because she was a Christian in at the time when Lebanon was dominated by the, by, by the Christians, like I mentioned. Um, but still, she had to struggle quite a bit, and in order to get to what she did in television, in radio, in newspapers, she did it all, and she was still paid about a quarter of what the men who did the very same thing were paid. So that gives you an idea um, of, of the, the major differences she, she dealt with. And I think that uh, even with my father, when they were when they were together before his death, I think uh, I recall their uh, and I've learned that there were some jealousies from my father's side about her celebrity because you know he was at times overshadowing her, and um, that was difficult for her to deal with. Like, look, I'm coming into my own; I have my own thing. And but she was extremely strong, and and she was, you know, stronger than we could imagine because then her husband dies; she has three sons; they're all in there. Uh, I was I was eleven, twelve. And my oldest brother was sixteen, and uh, he died in seventy six when the war was really raging, and when the Christian militias were going around and 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 plucking sixteen year olds to to get them in to get to get them you know armed and trained and I remember my older brother for a time was in training with them. it was awful it was really horrible yeah. <laughs> and and she has to deal with all of this as a single mother at that point and as much as Uh, We had an extended family and all this. Uh, She was really on her own and she managed to pull all of that, to to pull through uh, all this and to get us out, to get my my, my brothers first to boarding school in England and then to get get me out and get herself out. Um, And you know, the way it worked out, she was on a newspapering tour in the United States writing for a French newspaper in Lebanon when she came across uh, my second father, who was a an assignment editor at WCBS in New York at no the TV kidding. station. And they met by chance at the house of uh, mutual friends. And um, their romance started. And, and before you know it, they were married. And that's how we were able to coalesce again and into a family in New York City and resume a, a, a more normal life at that point.
1: Amazing. So, so you're in New York now. How did you ultimately make your way to this area around the Palm Coast vicinity, and what was the impetus or the draw to come to Flagler County? The uh,
0: there was uh, the reason I, I came to Florida initially was I had left uh, Beckley, West Virginia, um, a newspaper there. Um, I'd been fired. I didn't leave. I'd been fired. I've I've had three newspaper jobs and I've been fired from all three. Now it was reductions in force at the other two. It wasn't uh, technically a firing, but to me, a firing is a firing. Sure. Uh, the first one was an actual firing. They they, uh, they they just got rid of me, and um, I had to have, you know I had to have a job and I had made a contact uh, somehow with an editor in Lakeland. Um, I showed up at his door and I said, you know, I saw you at the News and Observer in Raleigh many years ago when I was a graduate student, and you told me to get some clips when I got some clips. And he hired me, and that was great. Um, and uh, we had great years in Lakeland, and the reason that was great was because I met Cheryl there. Uh, you know Cheryl. Absolutely. And I got into uh, editorial writing and column writing at that newspaper. But um, that paper was part of the New York Times regional group, and in 2001 they had a massive reduction in force they they just laid off like it was really the beginning of the end for newspapers you've seen it left and right and um even though i was part of uh, the uh, ideas section that they had created with with me on board they said we're getting rid of the ideas section and you have to go and we we can't you know but my editor helped me get my next job in daytona beach so um and um that's how I ended up here. Now, the reason I'm in Palm Coast is because we never wanted to live in Daytona Beach, Cheryl and I, but uh, my aunt had lived here. She was from New Jersey. She had settled here years before at the beginnings of Palm Coast. Okay. And we had visited her in the past. And uh, I remember on my way to Lakeland for that job interview, I stayed in Palm Coast uh, in my car. I stayed with her. and um, And then when I was offered the job in Daytona Beach, I thought, well, we're going to live in Palm Coast because I know the community. It's, uh, you know, it's a, certainly a much better, safer, happier place than Daytona Beach. <laughs> I Just couldn't imagine living down there. And we settled here in 2001 and and, and haven't left.
1: Wonderful. Well, hold that thought because we're going to continue this storyline, Pierre. We're going to take a brief break to thank our amazing sponsors. You are listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Jay Shear. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur trying to figure out how to improve and achieve greater results? If so, I'm speaking to you. I provide the tools, coaching, and accountability you need to gain clarity around your personal and professional goals, remove the excuses holding you back, build the mindset, leadership skills, and proven strategies to grow your business and become the best version of yourself. To learn more or to apply for my coaching services, call 904-236-0431 or visit jshearbusinessconsulting.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves more than just average. It deserves Flagler Media.
0: We specialize in innovative and dynamic marketing solutions tailored for mid-sized businesses with ambitious goals. Our team of experts are dedicated to helping you stand out from the crowd, drive growth, and elevate your brand. Ready to take your marketing to new heights? Choose Flagler Media, where we turn great ideas into remarkable results. Visit us at FlaglerMedia.com or call us at 386-227-6477. Flagler Media, exceptional marketing for exceptional businesses. There's no business
1: like show, business like no business I know. Visit the Fitzgerald Performing Arts Center at Flagler Auditorium. We're about to release our new season of professional touring shows. Visit our website at flaglerentertainment.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You can be the first to know about our shows and special offers. And remember, every time you buy a ticket to a show, you support the performing arts in Flagler schools and you support our local economy. All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. And I am in the studio today with my very special guest, Pierre Tristam. We're having a great conversation. And just before the break, we were talking about how Pierre made his way to this area. And in 2001, you had made your way basically to the Daytona Beach area to Palm Coast. You settled here in Palm Coast, and you had mentioned that you met your wife Cheryl when you were in Lakeland. Right. So, how did you and Cheryl meet?
0: She was at a computer store right next to where the Lakeland Ledger had its offices, and I needed a computer cable. I um, went over there and um, I saw her and became more interested in her than the cable and um, then started trying to see her more often. And uh, that, that's how it all started. So uh, I stalked her for a while and uh, eventually she finally, you know, accepted. To, she relented? She, it, it took a few months. It took, <laughs> it, it took a few months because, you know, it, she just didn't see, she just didn't see why I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd be, I'd be, pursuing her. And, and I didn't see how she couldn't understand that I would be pursuing her. But it, it, uh, in, 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 in May of 97, um, we started seeing each other.
1: I love that. So, you know, I asked you at the beginning of our conversation, what words you would use to describe yourself. And um, you ultimately did give a few words. So let's apply that same question to Cheryl. What are two or three words that you would use to describe her?
0: Well, her uh, intelligence and her uh, fortitude, uh, which has really – her fortitude is something pretty amazing. Um, and, um, you know, but meaning her resilience, her mm-hmm. ability to just overcome. Um, and um, she has something that I really don't have, and she has an ability to connect with people um, any anybody any people and uh, and brighten them up in a way that it just it just uh, is beyond me and she has that ability on the spot anywhere with anybody uh, i don't know how that you sum up sum that up in one word but um that is, that, that's just a uh, something she can she can do um and uh, and that's not even starting with you know her being the mother of our two wonderful children, which, which is also a completely different, amazing part of her. But anyway.
1: Well, I, I, I love that. And what I find interesting is when it came to Cheryl, you had absolutely no issue coming up with some descriptive words there. They rolled right off of the tongue, right? Um, but when I asked you that same question, it was a bit more challenging for you. So I appreciate the fact that, and Cheryl, if you're listening right now, hopefully you heard what what Pierre said about you, and and I think that's a great that's a great description. And I think there's obviously more more depth to that, but I think that's a great starting point to work from. So I do find it interesting that you had mentioned that one of the words you would use to describe her is that ability to connect, right, that ability to connect with others. And, you know, I think that you, you know, as I as I look at you, and as I've seen you out in the community, I think you engage well with people as, as well, right? I think that, you know, we find, w- what is the common thread? We find things that are of interest. We surround ourselves with people that maybe have some some common beliefs or common thoughts or at least common interests, and I've seen you out and about, and I, I would say well, that you you connect well as well. I, right? I think
0: the difference is that I think uh, Cheryl connects with her heart, and I connect with a scalpel. I am there to basically open you up and uh, very clinically see what's inside and bring that out, and then tell your story to others through my translation. But my it's a it's a very different way of connecting. It's not, a, um, it's not necessarily a loving way because that's not my job. I'm um, in most instances and places where you see me, I'm basically on the clock. I'm there because I'm reporting or um, I'm observing and I'm trying to find out as much as I can about a situation or a person or an environment. And I have to do it as dispassionately as possible. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's very searching in its own way but it's not necessarily either uh, intended to be, um, you know, warm-hearted. Um, it, it, I don't mean to say it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be kind. the approach should should always have a certain kindness about it because there's there's no excuse for the opposite. But at the same time, you also have to do what your job is, which is to just you know get to what you get get to the the facts and the, the answers. And and the explanations and the person that you want to describe or write about.
1: Do you feel that you individually, you as a person, do you come out in your writing?
0: Um, I, I think uh, inevitably we we all do, um, I, and I think that, you know you you talk about some of those more negative things. Um, that I think about, and that's that's one of the aspects that I try to minimize as much as possible because I don't like the first person uh, much, even though it it must be it has to be used from time to time, um, but um, and certainly not in in reporting. You, you can't use that in reporting, and and you you, know, you never should. I mean, there is unless it's some kind of it's there are certain kinds of reportings that that that, that allow that, and that's fine. But generally speaking. Um, you really should not let yourself come out. But at the same time, nothing that we do as uh, as reporters even does not contain who we are. Because in every sentence that we write, we're making a judgment. We are making a uh, – the reason we have observed it this way and written it that way is because of who we are, no matter what. So the idea that there is some uh, platonic objectivity sitting out there that can that is reachable is – to me, it's, it's laughable. It's, 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 you have to struggle against the, uh, the, the subjectivity of it all the time in order to try to get as close to the objectivity as you can, but at the same time you can't be blind to the fact that there is no such thing as idealistic objectivity. And you have to be cognizant and honest with who you are in order that those things don't get in the way of the story you're trying to tell.
1: Mm, that's that's a lot to think about there. When you're writing, do you know when you are done with a piece? Do you struggle at all with cutting something loose and moving on?
0: The deadlines help a lot. And um, – uh, since I'm constantly having to write another story um, that in itself creates the sense that well you you can only go so far and I think um i don't I don't know how familiar you are with Flagler Live, but uh, I tend to write a bit long, and the stories are longer than they ought to be most of the time, but I have this sense that well I want to put in as much of the record as as possible in order for it to be seen as the record so um uh, it's a balance between trying to do that and at the same time not overburdening the reader with um, with, with with too much, and um, also moving on to you know the next story. But stories, in and of themselves, over time, as you learn to do the job, you you there there is um there is an unseen clock that tells you you have got you have you have reached the end. This is because I, I do try to tell a story, uh, in a in a in a story format with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, that's what keeps the reader going, and you do reach that point, like you described, where well, this is it. That's it. You've 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 told you've told it. Now move on and 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 uh, you know, I mean, look 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 it over, edit it. But but this is it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's so interesting. So as we look around the 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 climate today and things that are happening in the world, what advice would you give to people who've allowed political differences and animosities to ruin relationships and create resentment. So if you were sitting across from someone right now who you knew allowed some political differences to to really destroy a relationship with a family member, with a friend, with a community leader, with a spouse, what advice would you give to that person?
0: I'm um well let's you know it's difficult to encapsulate that into into advice I think the starting point is always uh, the conversation that takes place between people um uh, to 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 step back when you step back and and you look at you imagine yourself having a conversation you know it's imagine you and me are, are speaking right now but we one of us can step out and actually watch us having a conversation um To do this gives you a sense of distance that allows you to see that what we're talking about is more interesting than the differences we're talking about. In the sense that the conversation itself is the thing. And uh, I don't think, for instance, I would have survived in a place like uh, Flagler County or Palm Coast, which has gotten pretty red and I'm not a red person. Uh, I don't mean that in the communist sense, of course. Um, (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Um, For, you know, for those from the previous generations, but there are differences here. There are very deep differences, and it is—it has become almost a one-party county. Um, but how do you survive in a place like this and still make it interesting? Well, you survive because it's not the defining factor in the end. It's um, what has made it interesting for me is precisely the difference. Um, and the differences i don't think I'd be nearly as comfortable or as happy in Maryland or in maine or in New York because then it it would be a lot more boring i would have I would have nothing to convey in creating those differences that out of which we have more interesting conversations, more interesting reporting, more interesting analysis and it's in those conflicts that I see that uh, you know we, we we have more interesting times now that's that's me so. How do I give that advice to somebody else who doesn't necessarily see it that way? Well, you, you know, that's difficult because I, I I actually thrive on the differences. and And the differences is what, to me, makes us interesting. And the one thing I would remind anybody would be that, well, you know, we are always talking about pluralism and how great our diversity is, especially liberals. They love to talk about diversity. Well, then put that in practice and put it in practice with the very things that are diverse in a way that don't fit your definition of diversity. Because a conservative to a liberal is a form of diversity. Why isn't it encompassing your definition of diversity? Why don't you embrace that as well? You don't have to love it, but you can embrace it in terms of engaging with it, having the conversation with it, and the debate, because that's the interesting part, without abandoning your ideals and your very strong belief that maybe your conservative friend is completely misguided, and they generally are, but engage and stay engaged. And you'll find that, well, it's a lot easier to then uh, have a very tolerant and, 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 and not necessarily happy, but, but, you know, functioning society without coming to blows and without doing the, separa- the separatism that we've been engaging in, that is, I think, becoming very problematic, because we're not only splitting up as individuals, we're splitting up as communities, and now we're splitting up as states. And and we're going down a path that uh, you know is unbecoming of our pluralism.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you explaining it the way that you did, and and sharing what whatever type of advice you could give, because I, I it is a bigger question, and it is something that we are are certainly challenged with. And I think that one of the best things that that I've learned, whether this is right or wrong, is to just be open to learning right asking questions for the purpose of wanting to understand someone else's position someone else's beliefs about something and not judging them but really trying to understand that's really interesting tell me more about that tell me more about why you you feel that way or believe that and we we made agree to disagree, but I would hope that we could still walk out the door and go grab a nice tea together. So thank you for sharing that. So a, a, a as we're wrapping up our conversation today, I thought I would ask you one other question, and that is this. If you have the ability to sit down with any one person who's either alive today or no longer with us, who would the one person be that you would want to sit down with? And what is one question and one question only that you would want to ask that person?
0: Well, um, I'd sit down with God and I'd say, what the hell?
1: That would be the question. Yes. Okay. Are you prepared for the answer?
0: I don't think he, God would be prepared for my answer.
1: Hmm. How about that? All right, Pierre, I want to thank you so very much for joining us today on Business Minds Coffee Chat. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your sense of humanity just being open and allowing us the space to have this conversation and allow it to go in the multiple directions that it did. So I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you, and thank you for being here.
0: Well, thank you. That was very interesting, and that was an example, actually, of what you were talking about in terms of what, do we, how do we, what advice do we provide others who, who, who need to bridge a divide? I mean, not that there was a divide here, but, I mean, it's inherently interesting to have divides, to go back to the very first thing I said, in order to bridge them.
1: Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for that. And for all of you, thank you so very much for listening. We certainly appreciate it. And we will be back next Saturday morning at 830. And until then, keep learning and growing and keep doing the work to reach your potential. Take care, everybody.